Welcome to the Strap It Down podcast. It's September 22nd, Thursday night. We got game three going on right now to the Guardians, and we're down four to one. We got a special guest today, Sud Sr., my dad, Nick Legg Sr., in the house. Sr., what's up? What's Glad going to be on? here. Glad to be here with you boys. <laughs> I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> He's got a lot to talk about. He, he said... Told me today, this is this is the episode he wants to be on. We're we're about to wave the white flag. We got Schwabi with us in our basement. So in my basement, it's myself, Sud Senior, Schwabi, and we got Jack Tui remote. Jack, what's going on? It's a it's a sad week, but you know what? I feel much better today than I did Tuesday afternoon. Schwabi, how we doing? I mean, I think Tui hit it on the head, right? Like, that's the sad part is that we are almost relieved that it's over. It's been such a disappointing and depressing season. The fact that we can almost say it's over now is almost a positive. So we're going to kick it off. We got a we got a good segment list tonight. but we'll, we'll... Wait, wait, but before before we kick it off, here here's my metaphor for the season. Because I think we're all going to agree that this season is over. Thank God. The metaphor for this season is having a job that you hate. You hate getting up for, you hate staying late for, you hate talking to the people at the job. It's just, it just makes your life a living hell. And you finally quit that job. Tuesday night at the end of that game, I finally quit my job (laughs) that I hated. And you know what? The world was lifted off of my shoulders. So, Jack, so we're doing the weekly recap. You were at Tuesday night's game, right? I was. All right. Well, tell me about the environment at Tuesday night's game. I want the, the lowdown, what it was like at the cell. So, I walk into the stadium. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm, I'm basically walking into a playoff game. On top of that, it's my girlfriend's birthday. She picked this game in April. She goes... I want the September 20th tickets. I look at the schedule. I'm like, it's a Tuesday night against the Guardians. Sure. There's, this division should be wrapped up by the end of August. We should be 12, game, 12 to 15 games up at that point. This game, if this game matters, something seriously bad happened this year. So I was like, yeah, I, I'll get the seats. And on top of getting my, our seats, I will get my uncle's seats the row in front of us, and we'll get eight tickets for the game. So we walk into the stadium, and obviously something very, very bad happened this year, and this game mattered. And not only did it matter, but it was the biggest game of the year. And as soon as you walked into the stadium, you could feel the tension. 
Was it? There was this. How is there it? was this weird, uneasy, nervous tension in the stadium, and I, I've been very vocal at recent games, <laughs> and when you sit as close as our our family seats are, like you, they can definitely hear you, and so I was gonna. My goal today was my goal on Tuesday was to not be vocal. And so I was giving it to the umpire, which, by the way, I want to know. You guys watched the game on TV. He was bad. Was that ump- got umpire squeezing the hell out of Cease? Yeah, he, he was bad. Did it just seem that way in person? He was bad. So the home umpire cost Cease probably 20 pitches in that game, which was big because then Cease couldn't get yeah, the eighth. I but mean, he he also, but then Cease goes seven, and then you don't have to bring in Jake Diekman in the 11th. Yeah. So that's why that was a huge part of the game is Cease throwing so many pitches. It feel like every batter you looked up at the scoreboard and he was three and one, two and one. He was never. I don't. I don't know if I saw him ahead of more than five guys. Are you talking about Deakman or Cease? Cease. Yeah, Cease. He, he. So it was one. I mean, it was kind of the classic Cease game, where he throws a lot of pitches, but he doesn't give up a lot of runs. The ump cost him probably twenty pitches, but the the home plate ump also gave us a run. In the seventh inning, no, he that and he, it tied the game and or it kept the game tied and like that was so. So he made up a fine. little bit for it. I would rather have had Cease go seven than which, us have to get that call. Which is I think true. If Cease goes seven. Lambert never pitches, and you know what? I didn't mind Lambert in the seventh. Everyone was giving that move a lot of shit. I I saw him in the bullpen, and I. Didn't blink an eye. I felt confident with who was coming in. Yeah. However, here's what I want to talk about on Tuesday night, and maybe we can get in this into the in the weekly recap, and I'll let you decide. But the first time Jose Ramirez came up with first and third in two outs, I stood up and I was like, "Miggy, please walk this guy. (laughs) Please do not let Jose Ramirez beat us. You have." Josh Naylor coming in next. You have Jake Diekman on the mound. You have a lefty-lefty matchup. I don't care what Naylor has done against us. If you let Jose Ramirez tie this game, I hate you. And he let Diekman pitch pitch around Jose Ramirez. He wasn't giving him anything down the middle. Like It was a 2-1 count, and... Jose Ramirez swung at a terrible pitch, but you know what? He's also one of the fastest players in Major League Baseball. And he beat out an infield single. And that's why you don't pitch to Jose Ramirez. That you but that, that was load Jack, the bases that was and you pitch that, to Josh Naylor. And I don't care what happens after that. You are trying to give up no runs. Yeah. You're not trying to give up one run. You're supposed to go out and get Josh Naylor and get him out. And that's your job. No, you're right. Why? Th- that that was bummer, though, America? right? That was the seventh. Bummer. Yes, it was. Bummer. Yeah, but th- sa- same. I, I, yeah, I mean, same concept, right? You got a lefty, and it's either Ramirez or Naylor. And yeah, so Diekman Diekman ended up not getting the job done in the in the eleventh in the eleventh against Ramirez, and that was really what blew open the inning. Yeah. So let's or, let's talk Naylor, but yeah, let let's talk I about mean, this game because I, I think there was a lot a lot that happened and you know the the Deekman thing in the 11th was a disaster right and here here's my thing why 
Deakman was in the eleventh because Cairo. And and Cairo, like I, I I'm with you, Jack. Like I I wasn't totally hating on the Lambert move. I it, it hurt a little bit that you know you, we've talked about it he all. He didn't year. do you his go, job. You go he Raylo, didn't. you go Graveman, you go Liam. Right? I mean, how many times have we talked about it? I didn't hate it completely because it was the bottom of the lineup too. Here's what killed me last night. Liam Hendricks pitched the ninth. Nick Senior, I want your thoughts on this. Liam pitches the ninth, 15 pitches, and then he's done for the night. What would you... If Are you you're, talking about Tuesday night? When's the last Tuesday time night? he's pitched in a real game? I completely agree with you. I thought he was going to be coming out. So if you're, if you're Miguel Cairo and Liam throws 15 pitches in the ninth, are you are you going to Graveman in the tenth, or would you would you think about bringing Liam back for another inning? Oh, Hendricks has to come back. But my two point that I would like points that I would like to make is first of all, why was Lambert put in in the seventh? I mean, why didn't they bring Lopez in? That, that's my first point. My second point is why why is Dykeman even on the team? <laughs> yeah. it, it, he comes in in the eleventh. That's the only move that Han made at the trade deadline, and it was a terrible move he made because this guy has been nothing but rotten. Yeah, he. I mean, he was traded. Think about who Deakman was traded for. He was traded for Reese McGuire. It was basically like our trash for their trash. It was we were going to DFA Reese because Savvy was playing better. Right. And it was who can we get for Reese. That's all it was. And the f- fact that the Red Sox were able to stick the stick Deakman on the Sox, who has another year of, of control, where we got to pay Deakman next year. I mean, again, that's, it's just it's the, another poor deal. That's the worst part about the deal. That he's coming back. We got to pay him what eight million, seven million next year. I, the the fact that uh, so. But the trash we gave up does not affect the game like the trash we received. That's true. That's a very good point because. Reese McGuire, he, he's just kind of the backup catcher, right? He's not going to have that big of – the game's not going to be in his hands the way it was in Deakman's hands. I mean, basically the season was in Deakman's hands. I think Deakman played well the first couple of times he came into the games, and then after – he's probably blown about three or four games. Yeah, he's – he had that one good year. So He had a really good year. In the COVID year. In 2020, he was Deakman was thrown for the A's. You know who else was thrown for the A's? So I, I'm going to bring this back to my Hendricks. Yeah, Hendricks was bringing. So, who did the White Sox play during the COVID year in the playoffs? The A's. Thank you, Schwabi. And game two, game two in the playoffs. And I'm going to put you on the spot here, Schwabi. Liam Hendricks closed the game. You know how many pitches Liam Hendricks threw in game two? Fifty. Forty-nine pitches. 49 pitches. Sorry. I'm two or three mad. innings. He's, he's a little, two, he's two a little agitated. Two innings. Liam threw 49 pitches. So if you're Rick Hahn and you're trading for Jake Diekman, you have to know that – is it a player option next year? No. He's got play, He's got a club option the year after. He's uh, So he's, he's literally under contract for next he's year. He's under contract for next year, and then he's got a team option for 2024. He's at three, what's, three and a half his, mil next what, year, four mil in 2024. What is it next year? 3.5. Whatever. He stinks. I, he, we're going to have to suffer. 3.5 is not, not bad, but here's what I'll say. He hasn't, the only season 
he had a 3.86 ERA in 2021. He was 4.23 with the A's this year. He was. Oh, he was, he was really good. He's with Boston. He's with yeah, Boston. The previous two years, he's been okay. Prior to that, he really was never anything. Yeah, he's, he's had a, over a four he's, ERA since 2017. He he's been a he's a journeyman. He's a journeyman. He had one besides for 2020, which was a 60 game season. Year. Well, and right. he's a guy who had a lot more value when you were able to have a left-handed one-out guy or left-handed yeah, two-out right. guy. You no pitch full inning, he's, his value goes down. Schwab, can I ask you a question? Sure can. Uh, I know there's September call-ups. Have we met our maximum call-ups? So the roster expanded by two this Thank year. Thank God you asked oh. this question. Um, it didn't expand to the typical where you could bring up everybody in the 40-man. So we, we did call up two. Because that was right when you, like Yasmani came off, um, we called him one pitcher, I believe. But we yeah, are at the Tanner. full. We're at the full twenty-eight. Tanner just came back up. So in the um, past, we were allowed to have more guys, right? Oh, it was. You know who we called up? Yeah, it was. It was Foster. Oh, yeah, it was Foster. It's Foster and Yasmani. I think came off after that. Has Foster even pitched? I would have rather seen Foster than Deke. So you can't pitch Deekman against. So going back to your point, senior, you can't pitch Deekman against against the Guardians. They were running wild. Deakman was not even holding. So who else was left? So this is what I, I don't. This is the question I was asking at the game. Who was left? You know, you know who was left, Jack? Deakman. Liam Hendricks, because we threw well, him besides, for 15 pitches. I'm dead serious. Yeah, You're la- like, you guys are laughing. Like, Why? If Liam throws the 10th, the White Sox win the game. That's the and season. Then, and then we don't come out. Like the Walking Dead on Wednesday. Well, like, why? Why is Liam throwing fifteen pitches in the season? Literally, the game that will end your season. I don't understand that. Like, okay, so here's here's the pitch count for the guys who pitched on Tuesday. What Jimmy, Jimmy threw twelve, and then you had Bummer threw right. Agreed. They had to get Jimmy out. Bummer came in through eleven. Reynaldo threw eleven pitches in the eighth. Liam threw 15 in the ninth. Graveman threw eight in the tenth, and then Deakman went in yeah, there. So Graveman threw pitches. eight. So you you're bringing in Deakman. Even that's even worse. I mean, we've talked about this. So multiple someone times, at right? the game, like, the guy, the guy I was sitting next to at the game says, "Do you bring Raylo out? He just threw 11 pitches. Do you bring him out for the ninth, given it's if it's a tie game?" And I go, I go, and I go, no, I bring out Liam, and I. Let him throw two, because Raylo has, for for some reason this year he hasn't been great in his second inning of work, and so I I don't want to fuck around in this inning. I want to go to Liam for two, and hopefully win the game. And you, what you're saying is completely right. Why he was out after 15 pitches? Well, why is the norm it didn't make any sense? A relief pitcher can only pitch one inning when. As Schwabi so eloquently stated, one guy pitched eight pitches, another guy pitched eight pitches, another guy pitched 11 pitches, and Hendricks pitched 15. Why not leave those guys in for why wouldn't Lopez stay in for the ninth and bring in Hendricks for the 10th? I mean, I think there's there's too much emphasis put on innings pitch yeah. as opposed to pitches thrown. Right, like absolutely. We, why, like, why? It doesn't. Look, there's no correlation. It doesn't make any sense. Like he it threw an mean. inning. Well, I I don't care if he threw an inning. How many pitches did he throw in an inning? Did he throw thirty pitches in that inning? Yeah, 
That's a high stress inning if you threw thirty pitches. It's not a high stress inning if you throw fifteen. Can I can I mention my age here? You sure I, can. I will not state my age, but I remember a game that I watched back in the sixties uh, when Juan Marichal pitched against Bob Gibson. And Marischal threw like either Gibson or Marischal, one threw 175 pitches, the other one threw 158 pitches in like a 15 inning game. But now these guys, and that's when the that's when the uh, they only had four starters instead of five. I, I, we can't. We have to stop babying these guys. Thank we you. have to win. Thank you. Like, and here's the thing. Like, so I will say that these guys today they throw so much harder than those guys did. And Bob Gibson is an exception. Like that guy was, he, he, he's one of a kind. There's no one that can ever replicate him. You know what though, Jack? Maybe, maybe Pedro Martinez or Verlander, who's still throwing 99 at fucking 45. I don't know. Or 42 or whatever he is. It's, but it's part of the environment, man. These guys throw so hard and they're blowing out their careers in like six, seven years. They're just thrown that hard there and they're at some point your body can't take it. And so that's why I, these teams have these investments that they're making and they're only expecting them. Their analytics say that we only need a certain amount of pitches out of them. Well, I mean, I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but like the, one of the main values of Liam is that the dude's a bulldog. Yeah. That's why you signed him. That's why I you mean, give like, him that money. And I knew he, I knew he had the arm problems earlier in the middle of the year, but like, I was listening to Liam on the radio at that point in time, where he's like, "My UCL has been partially torn for five years. Like, this isn't something new that just happened. So I've been dealing with this. It's like if you looked at every pitcher's arm, there's more guys throwing with this than they even know. Yeah. Right. So, but to take Liam, Liam's a guy who I want the ball in my best pitcher's hand when my season is on. And to take him out for one inning, to go to Graveman is fine, but when you realize that you've already used Jimmy, you've already used Raylo, you, you can't do you've it. You've already used Bummer. You know that at that point in time, if you don't win in the tenth, you are coming into the back half of your bullpen, which is we've gone over multiple episodes. That bullpen runs four deep. Right. It's Jimmy. It's Raylo. It's Graveman. It's Hendricks, and it's over at that point in time. It's done. That's the bullpen. The bullpen is those four guys. So at that point in time, when your season's on the line, you got to find a way to get that, to give Liam the 10th, Graveman the 11th, and you hope hoping by the 11th you're winning. Because if you go to the 12th. You know, you know what? No, you go Graveman for two. Sure. Right. You, you have to maximize your pitch to that point in time. At that point in time, the main thing is prolong, giving yourself the best chance to win. And when this game goes into extras, You've got to find ways to prolong the game. And to bring in Dykeman, to bring in a Velasquez, to bring in uh, my guy Jose Ruiz, to bring in Foster, to bring in any of those guys, you're giving, you're putting yourself at such a huge disadvantage. You have to find ways to avoid that for as long as possible. But as a 60-year 60 60 year baseball fan, I would like to say that that runner on second base to start extra innings sucks. It's Dumbest rule in it's baseball. Disgusting. Yes. And Dude, I mean, even when we were in Little League, in extra innings, you'd put a runner on, and this is when you're playing six games in a weekend, and you literally only have, like, so many pitches on your entire team. They would put a runner on second base with one out. Right. 
If you so want to do this, just, do legit you, California. It's California rules, right? It's California legal rules or whatever it's called. But it's it's second and one out. If you want to do that, I'm okay yeah. with that. But doing second with no outs is the dumbest thing in the world. I got it for the shortened season where you just need to get things over and you need to get done. It was supposed to be done after that year. The fact that this is still a rule is awful. And the fact that the Sox are also the worst team in it doesn't make it better. Yeah, well, here's the problem, too. That actually, we lost the game because of that rule. Because in the 10th inning, you know what we did? We intentionally walked Jose Ramirez. So so a lot has to do with how the lineups shake out in the 10th inning, right? So a guy guy in the scout seats, so our family seats are literally the section next to the scout seats. After the run scored in the 10th inning, the guy gets up to me. He screams at me. That's why you don't walk him. After I had been yelling at the top of my lungs in the seventh inning to walk him, and they obviously he obviously got the RBI. So well, that was a different situation because in the, in the seventh there was two outs. When you so would you disagree with walking him in the tenth? No, 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 no. If no, your no, goal I'm not is disagreeing to walking him in, the, so what I'm saying in the tenth inning was. The reason the White Sox lost the game is because I agree walking. You have to walk Jose Ramirez. Yeah, because if you if you lose because Jose Ramirez beat you, then you're an idiot. 100% because Thank he's you. easily the Thank best you. player in the lineup. So the reason that we lost is we were forced to walk Jose Ramirez, right? I think everybody agrees. It was first and third, and then there was a base hit that happened. There was one hit in the inning. One hit. Josh Naylor. What does Jose Ramirez do on the base hit when he was on first base? He goes first to third. But but the reason the rule is stupid is because it's not fair. They had Quan as the guy at second base, and we had Zavala. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. The lineup it matters. It yeah. matters, and it's and it's all luck. Right. So Please so what? It, here's what happens. We have to intentionally walk Jose Ramirez. Right. Naylor gets one hit. Graveman actually pitched. Everyone wants a roast Graveman. Graveman met, pitched a great inning. He had one bad pitch. He pitched. A, he threw a really bad pitch to Naylor, and he got a base hit. But if you throw one pit bad pitch for a base hit in an inning, you get out of it. He threw one bad pitch because we had to intentionally walk Jose. Jose wants to, goes to third, and then Jose scores on a sack fly. That's two runs, right? You know how white the White Sox earned their runs? They actually Sheets got a base hit. It was a it was a chopper over uh, in the infield. over Classe's head, and then. Andre Elvis stole second, and, and Jose had the most clutch the... hit of the year. We earned those yeah. runs. Okay, what I'm saying is, we were forced in a position where we had to intentionally. The Guardians didn't earn two runs. I mean, you could argue that they did because Jose went first to third, but it it was because of what you were saying, senior. The inning set up so poorly for the Sox that we were put in a huge disadvantage, and we actually tied and we came out of that, and then. Classe is out of the game, right? Because they weren't going to go Classe again. And the other thing that kills me is the Indians played five games, okay? The, 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 the Guardians played five games from Friday to Monday, and they had 115 inning games sprinkled in. Right. Their bullpen was destroyed, okay? And you have to prolong that as long as possible if you're the White Sox. You have to throw your best play- you just have to throw Liam for two. You have to throw Gray. How many two. walks did we frankly, draw against the Fallen? You have to throw Gray. I think it's his two. first outing all year where he didn't have a walk in his fucking outing. The sock, it was, it, the entire approach, the entire game was just brutal. 
The Sox have beat up on him all year, so they came out cocky. They're like, we're going to hit four out, and this game's going to be over in the third inning. And you know what? He actually had some a little better stuff today, but he, they didn't work at bats. They didn't. You know what, though? Jack, what I'll say, like, that, that kind of happens, and then we got to him in the sixth, and we put up three. And Francona pulls him. Well, yeah, what it was a, a good. Was I, a when good, he went out to the mound, I was like, this is what a good manager does. He had 62 pitches. So I, I want to say one last thing because I know I've harped, and, and we're, we're just still in the recap. We're, we're going to get into some stuff. But in the seventh inning, or it was at the bottom six, Luis Robert missed the home run. If, if that hits the foul pole, he had white, two good balls in that. Area. Yeah, no, yeah, he, the, the double, the, 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 the double would have been. That was also lines. that was also like three inches. Yeah, we were putting down the left field line, and he hit one. Out, so it, it kills me. Foul. You know what? Both said, both were hit with one hand. I, I said this last week. The Guardians, if that's Stephen Quine, that ball is hitting the foul pole. That ball is hitting. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it's true. You laugh. It, it's like whatever. Quine buried me. We'll get to that. So we got to move on. We hey, oh, real, real quick. Before we go here, we, Jay Kuda dropped some good stats the last couple days. Uh, of the 24 teams with at least 10 extra inning games this year, White Sox pitchers had the worst exit extra innings ERA at 7.04. That's that's oh imp- You know why that's impossible? Because the first run's not earned. And that's, yet, and that's yet, literally almost impossible. And yet still. Because right. that, if you're the home team, if you're the home team. One one beats you and you're over. And, yeah. and, All right. No, I'm sorry. If you're the road team, right? Because then you go to the bottom and they right. score, and that's not even earned. So that doesn't even count against your ERA. That's literally, that's that is an indictment on the managing of this team. Cairo, I'll take him over Tony all day, but he's he has energy, right? But I'm not. He's not a tech. Te- <laughs> he's, he's just not. So, all right, one more swap. Then Jose Ramirez. This is also from Jay Cuda. Gotta give him credit. Since 2019, Jose Ramirez. With runners in scoring position versus the White Sox, is twenty one for sixty four. I DM'd him from the account and I asked this question. Yeah, Jack, nine Jack homers, thirty eight ribbies, a three twenty eight four zero three seven ninety seven slash line. <laughs> Block the fucking guy. A twelve hundred OPS. And so he this struck is out after the guy five in the- times and four times sixty four. I think he struck out his fifth time the other day. Like, so this is just this silly. happened after the the guy in the scout skates yelled at me. That's why you don't walk him. And I was like, dude, I, I can't even listen to you right now because I would rather chop my balls off than watch Jose Ramirez beat us. <laughs> that no, you may can't. be a little much, but uh, yeah. Especially no, for a young dude, man. How many times has it happened over the years? <laughs> and, and so I DM Jay Kuda off the pod account, and I was like, how many times? What is Jose Ramirez's stats with runners in scoring position and runners on base against the White Sox. And that's why he did it. He had his fifth strikeout in 78 plate appearances with runners in scoring position since 2019 the other day. Five strikeouts, 78 plate appearances since 2019 with runners in scoring. All right, we're moving on. I mean, they buried us. It's just it's disgusting. What what more do you, what more can you say? We're we're moving on to the next segment. We're playing the blame game. I'm starting with Nick Senior here. We're, so we're going to go around the horn, and we're going to each pick out who got us here, and we're going we're gonna to play the blame game a little bit. Let's play the blame game. I love you. Boy, let's play the blame 
Nick Senior, who you got on the blame game? Can I blame from the top to the bottom? Yes. And when I say that, what is the difference between us and the Guardians? The three no's. No heart, no focus, and no execution. That falls on Han. Uh, Reinsdorf's illegitimate son, Kenny Williams. <laughs> And Tony Larusa, and it goes down to our twenty-sixth player on our roster. It's just—it's it, an abomination true. to have to watch this team play because we don't execute, we don't hustle, and it's—it's it's hard to watch as a fan. It's—it's it's very, very frustrating. I've been a White Sox fan since nineteen sixty-three when I was six years old, and. This is by far the most frustrating season I've ever experienced. In your life, ever? In my life. It's demoralizing. And, and to see a team with that talent, and, and I'd be remiss, I don't want to single out a guy, but uh, Johan Moncada, I believe when we traded for him, he was rumored to be a 30-30 guy. And I looked at the <laughs> stats this morning, and he's an 11-2 guy. And his, his, guy. And his Suds Jr., his Suds, he told me, the two stolen bases when he was on first and another guy was on second when they did a double steal. <laughs> no, it's true. It was and, a double and, steal. And, and I'll mean, leave it at and I'll leave joke. it at that. No, I mean it's it's everything you said is true. The I mean, does I I don't know if you guys tuned in on yesterday, but the tone was set very early when it was the second play of the game and Ahmed Rosario hit a ground ball to Yoan Mancada. So Rosario sprints to first base. Novel concept. He just runs. I mean, it's like, how hard is that? It's like, this is my job. I'm going to sprint because I'm a professional athlete. So I put the ball in play. I'm going to sprint. And Mankata is taking his sweet time. Oh, in between hop, I'm going to take a step back, and Rosario beats it out. If I, I think I think Mully and, Mully and Haw said on the score yesterday, Mankata is one of the most unmotivated players I've ever watched. Yeah, I mean he is. I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm I'm not gonna comment on it, but disaster personnel. Senior, what were you saying? Just to reinforce the blame game, uh, we were. I read in the paper that the Sox trainers and management told our players not to run to first base, so we wouldn't pull a hamstring. Well, if a guy's not can't play at a hundred percent, then he shouldn't be playing. Hundred percent. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't play. How are you playing professional? You're playing baseball at the highest level, at the highest level in the world. In, and so I I understand playing at eighty five percent, but if you cannot give those bursts of one hundred percent when it matters, you should not be in the game. I mean, watching Luis Robert take at bats on Tuesday was honestly it was an insult. I'm watching a guy literally swing the bat with one hand. That's on a manager, I believe. He's been doing it for weeks. Yeah. And uh, uh, he, he did almost go yard, though, surprisingly. That was a shock. But he was he, literally, I mean, he, he was inches I, away from a, I mean, it's a good point. We, we, I mean, we're, we got to get into that. He was literally, so he was literally flipping the bat out there. And on the first two, he swung at the, he wasn't even taking pitches. In his first two at-bats, he saw two pitches. He, and he flipped two pop-outs over the right, the first base inside. And then, and then he almost go, he gets a double and goes yard because he was flipping the bat a little earlier. Painful. 
Robert, we got to get to Robert in a little bit because that's that's part of the problem as well. But I, I, senior, I agree. I mean, this team's got no heart. They got no heart. It's just, and that's all the Guardians have. It's like they, I've never seen such a discrepancy between two teams talent wise, and our result of what we're seeing. Like in my life, in any professional sport, can you guys remember a time where one team is just so much less talented than the other, but they just dominate them so much more. They're the exact opposite, right? Like the Sox are a station to station team. The guardians lead baseball in going from first to third on a single. Like, I don't know what the Sox stat is on that, but I'm going to put good money that it's like worse than baseball. <laughs> Jose's numbers with runners and scoring position are better this year. And his OPS is essentially the same. And yet he's got thirty-five less RBIs. It's because was, they can't it run. One hundred and one to sixty-six, right? What was that? It was the it was the Jay Kuda yeah. stat today, right? Yeah. So it was one hundred and one RBIs to sixty-six RBIs. He had a better average, more hits, and a better OPS. His OPS is three points got, lower. Yeah, thirty-five less. That's RBIs. incredible. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that was someone. Someone made a comment like. What's his slugging percent? What's you know his OPS is three points lower, so it's pretty close. And I think I owe Jose a little bit of an apology after hearing that, <laughs> because I think that, and I think part of it has to do with he basically always comes up with runners on first base because the Sox only get singles, so that's part of it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean. We can get to we we do have to touch on Jose later, but I'm I'm gonna leave it at that. Well, when you got, I mean, who, who's scoring from second on a hit? Think about it, Mancada. You think he's he's scoring from second on a hit? The guy Luis, I've never seen the guy spray in my life. Luis is the only Luis Vaughn. You think he's scoring from second on a hit? Sheets is he scoring from second? Grandal Grandal is he gonna get the third on a hit from second? The guy literally, I would take. I would take Nick Lag Sr. in a race over Grant. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing? I'm dead serious. I would literally bet a lot of money on that. So I think we all have to hope and pray that he retires this offseason. No, it's dude, not he's happening. hurt. He's hurt. He's for sure hurt. I... All right, we're playing the blame game. Schwabi, who you got? Who don't I have? <laughs> I mean, like that's, like, that's the truth of the matter, right? Like, who exceeded expectations this year? Dylan Seats, Elvis Andrews, Johnny Cueto. Can you give me someone else? Tanner Banks. Sure. Tanner Banks went from being a guy who belonged in Charlotte <laughs> to a guy who belongs to being the right. 13th no, man here, on your here's a good, Here's a good one. R- Ronaldo Lopez. Ronaldo. I, I'll give you that. Ronaldo, Jimmy Lambert. Jimmy Lambert. They've had some pitchers who have exceeded expectations. Yeah. As far as and bats. Sebi. And Sebi. As far as bats goes, Sure. Sebi, the guys who exceed expectations with the bat are guys who we didn't think were major league caliber players. Yeah. Right? Sebi was a guy who we thought was a minor, a career minor leaguer who showed that he can be a, a decent backup catcher. Yep. Yep. Right? He's a Great. decent backup catcher. Andrew Vaughn exceeded what he did last year, but I don't think he exceeded what we thought he could be. Yeah. Right? Andrew, the only reason Andrew Vaughn's expectations going into the year might have been less were because of what he produced last year. Mm. As a rookie who, as we've gone over, really didn't play in minor league baseball. 
right? Absolutely. Lurie yeah. was worse than he's ever been. Tim, worse than he's ever been. Yoan, worse than he's ever worse than he's than his top. Uh, yes. Eloy hurt most of the year. Yeah. Luis, second half, has no home runs. <sighs> Right field, Gavin. Uh, Gavin is Gavin. Gavin's average hitting terrible fielder. Right. I mean, yes. Like, none, didn't even say the yes. only bat who exceeded expectations is a guy who was cut by the A's <sighs> that we signed as a free agent in the middle of the year post. Well, and Cueto, who he also well, but, signed to a minor league Right, contract. but as a bat, it's just Elvis. It's Elvis oh, as is, a bat, yeah. is the only, I mean, Elvis and Sebi. And yeah. Sebi is a guy who proved he can be a he can be a backup in the major leagues. And Sebi's not like moving the needle though. You know what I mean? Because he's a, he's a yeah. backup. He right. showed that he's a he he showed that he's a second catcher. I mean, arguably the guy who showed the most like oh this is a guy who can be a part of the team next is Romy Gonzalez. Yeah, Romy's been good. But like that's those aren't guys who you can say are going to lead you to the playoffs. Who are going to lead you to a good season. Those are guys who are just better than your replacement level player. I, it sucks, man. I mean, you hit it on the head. There's just there's not much to be happy about. Uh, Aloy, like, I mean, that's what kills you. Where we didn't have Aloy all year. Everyone now, I mean, I would I forgot how good of a hitter Aloy was. I mean, this past month he's been, or I guess after the All Star break, he's been unreal. But here's the problem with Aloy, and we've talked about it. He's got a DH. And then where do you put Vaughn? Where do you put Sheets? And then you got AJ Pollock. Oh, you didn't even mention Pollock. He's had the, this is literally Pollock's worst. I mean, senior, how, how many players can have the worst year of their career? It's, it's Ross. I mean, again, we've talked like we've talked about this, right? The roster construction is so poor, right? You can't build a team around these guys who are first basemen. And then you expect them to play outfield. You have outfielders who aren't good at outfield. Like, you're just, you're defensively limited. You're limited on the base paths. And if you're not a team that's going to hit home runs, which the Sox are on pace to be the first time in, re- in like, full regular season, the Sox haven't had a 20 home run, 20 home run hitter since 1990. is going to be this year unless someone gets hot. That's pathetic. So you're a team that's built to hit home runs, and you're not hitting home runs. Tui, who's your blame game? It it's tough because it's tough. Guys, it couldn't you, be easier. You, you, <laughs> no, you got you guys. You guys literally talked about everyone on the team, and and you're right. It's literally everyone in the, on the team and in the organization. I'm gonna give it to whoever's in charge of. Uh, of signing free agents and making trades. I don't I, I don't know if it's Rick Hahn. I don't know if it's Kenny Williams. I don't know if it's Jerry Reinsdorf. And now, next season, I'm unfortunately, we're going to have another guy thrown into the mix, and his name is Tony La Russa. So we're not getting rid of Tony anytime soon. I just want to let you guys know that now. But I'm going to give it to whoever's in charge of that stuff, making player transactions and managing the 26-man Major League roster. Not only have we seen it, I'm just going to start with the the easy stuff on top. H- how about our injury, our IL management this year? 
It's been saw it in the last two, three weeks with Robert, month with Robert, but it's been awful all year. This was this was the last of many, and it put a cherry, a great cherry on top. I'll let you guys talk about that for a couple seconds, and then I'll move on. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I think, I think Han, I, I think Han has a lot of blame. I, so you you say you're not sure who's making the moves, and I think that's like a controversial thing among White Sox fans, but I think it's Han. I think Rick has right. more reign. So than then Rick, him. then I blame Rick on. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think Rick, you know, something about Rick rubs me the wrong way. He just, he kind of talks down to the fans a little bit in certain circumstances. And I, he, he, Rick Hahn's kind of one of the guys who thinks he's the smartest in the room. And you, you can't walk out of the, the trade deadline when you make the trade to Reese McGuire for Beekman and, and say you're the smartest guy in the room. Because well, you know what, I think you're the sucker, I think man. He, you're the I sucker. think he, I think he, he knew. So even if we made the playoffs this year, and maybe this is, maybe this means the Sox have done something different in recent years. But what if Rick Hahn at the deadline was like, "We are not a team that's going to win the World Series this year. I don't want to give up any trade capital." And I was surprised that I was almost surprised that he didn't sell a couple guys like uh, Jose Abreu, who, by the way, is a free agent at the end of the, at this year and can come back. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you give him a half year to go chase a World Series and then come back to you if you really want to? If you really see him as part of the future, I think they threw it in at the trade deadline. And but going back to blaming Rick Hahn, this was that. What we saw this season happened last offseason. We did nothing to address the needs that we had. We let a starting pitcher, who, by the way, was a need once we let him left, once we let him leave, walk just because we didn't want to risk a one-year $18.4 million contract. That was the only risk. That, that's pathetic. That we didn't offer him. And then on top of that, you didn't go get an outfielder. You went to the bargain bin for a a 34-year-old second baseman. And then, I mean, you didn't do anything else. You you spent $17 million on Joe Kelly, which I think Joe Kelly has a big comeback year. I think our bullpen is very good next year. Our bullpen never pitched in a stress-free situation all year. We were always down by one, tied, or up by one. It was never like we were holding a three-run lead because we didn't have those this year. So our pitching staff, I think our bullpen was disappointing given the dollars we've been, we gave them, but I think our pitching staff in general was very good given the stress that they pitched under because that's a forgotten thing, and – they were always pitching in stressful situations. Here's my only argument against your bullpen comment. The Sox have the second most money devoted to their bullpen. If you're going to pay the second most money to your bullpen, I don't give two shits what the stress is. Yeah. Like if we're if we're paying you, we're putting the stress. If we're putting all that money into the bullpen, you better be ready to pitch in a one run game. If Graveman, how much is Graveman make? Eight mil. Between Dude, Graven and Kelly, I mean Kelly Kelly's is nine hurt. or seven next year. 
He Liam, better have a bounce Liam's back. making 15 mil, and then he's got a 15 mil for a year. That the worst can- part about it is the one of the guys who paid the least amount in our bullpen at like two and a half or three and a half mil was Raylo, and his contract is up at the end of the next year. Yeah, because he's in our, I think he's in arbitration so right now. He's going elsewhere unless we pay him, and we're going to lose another guy that we home grew and we made other investments at the wrong time. So Same the, thing that happened to Radon. So the Sox, Sox sixth highest player is Liam Hendricks at 13 mil. Seventh highest player is Graven at 8 mil. Then you go down to Vince, who's making 3 mil. Reynaldo at 265, 265, or 2625. Bombers at 25. Diekman's at 1-2. I guess Diekman's at 3 But you didn't say Kelly. Where's Kelly? Sorry, this is active. Kelly's on the deal. Oh, of course. Even better. Dead money. No, Kelly's not on the deal. Where's Kelly? Kelly's like on the inactive list or something. But Kelly, I think Kelly got like nine million, something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's here's the thing. It was a two-year, sixteen million dollar deal. It was nine-year, nine this year, seven next year. The, the the problem with Rick Hahn is he doesn't learn his lesson. He traded for Craig Kimbrell. You you don't invest the the bullpen. You get guys. Bullpen, you cannot put a lot of money into because it's, it, it handcuffs you in other areas. And with the, the bullpen, at the trade deadline, there's always going to be guys that are on deals that are up that are going to be free agents that you could easily trade for. And you could beef up your bullpen very easily without making huge investments money-wise that can be spent on a starting pitcher like Carlos Rodon, or it could be spent on a right fielder, or it could be spent on a second baseman. Okay, so Rick Hahn, he trades Madrigal, who I'm happy we traded because I was not a Madrigal fan, to get Kimbrell, who sucked, but then he didn't learn his lesson. Kimbrell, it's like you, you can't go out and sign these big names and expect them to be who they've always been because relief pitching Wait, is so, so hit or miss. Jay Kuda tweeted this out, and it was a graph of who spent the mo- most money on bullpens and what their ERA was. And the Sox were in the group that spent the most money on the bullpen, but their ERA was super high. Do you know who else was in that group that was super low? It was the Yankees. It was the Dodgers. It was the Padres, who were also super high. They haven't had a very good season either. Um, All the good teams were spending about the same money on their bullpen as we were. We were supposed to be a good team this year. So, yes, I get that. But here's the thing, Jack. You, you can the say Yankees, you can say I, that we spent too much on the bullpen that we got, given results this year. But you can't say that we spent too much on the bullpen in general. No, no. Here, here's where just here's because where the guys I'm don't execute wrong, doesn't Jack. mean I hate the process. I don't hate so, the process. Here's here's the thing: the Yankees. Where's all the money in the Yankees bullpen? Chapman. Thank you. Chapman's probably. I don't even know if he's active right now. He's literally the worst pitcher in the bullpen. You know who's the best bullpen pitchers on the Yankees? Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes. Look up his salary. Literally all the good bullpen guys in the Yankees are guys that are not getting paid right now. Okay. And guys, I'd like to make the point, I think one of the biggest turning points in this season was Crochet getting hurt. 100%. And and he's on a very low salary, but that's a guy that did amazing things, and it's killed us, and Bummer only playing about a third of the season. Those two things killed us. It all led to Deakman. 
<laughs> it's uh, all, all but true. Yeah, I mean Crochet, that guy, he was he was looking nasty too in, in Lights out. training. Lights out. But Nick Suds, you're absolutely right. I, I'm telling an you right now, look at the Yankees. An ideal I, I successful team right, has Schwab, a homegrown bullpen. Schwabby's got the Yankees pen right now. So here's why the Yankees are high. Jack, what's that number's what, 35? I, I got to pull up. Approximately, I believe it's like 35. I got to tweet up. The Yankees bullpen is 27, we'll say. Their money is is 18 mil for Araldis and 14 mil for Zach Britton. Is Britton even pitched this year? Oh, Not much. But it's Jonathan Lazega. It's he Clay. Jonathan Lazega is making one six. Yeah, he's Clay Holmes too. making one one. He's... Trevino, who they traded for the deadline, is making three mil. And Trevino uh, is barely pitched for them. But it's like the they got it's all, they, they got uh, Cabrera. I, Jack I, Green makes four mil. Who's been hurt, hurt? But he's good. You know, was good. Michael King, who's been hurt now, but he was making seven. He was making seven hundred thousand. You know, King was a stud before, but they got isn't like Batista's or not Batista. That's Baltimore. They got a couple guys that, um, and that Murray's not a Nacio guy or something. He's I'm telling you, all the good all the good relievers for the Yankees are making no money. Right, you, but it's it's Zach Britton and, and Rolls Chapman who put that number. Yeah, right, exactly. So and those guys aren't doing anything. So it's just it's it's uh, mis misappropriation of assets, misallocation of resources. It's the same no, shit we talk about. But you're right. A good a good team home grows their bullpen. It's what we did in 05. I mean, if you remember, yeah, Bobby right. Jenks came up in July of yeah. 2005. And then he was the guy who had the last, pitched the last out of the World Series. 05 is so, a great example, Jack. Because who? What, right, you want their bullpen? My guy, give Neil Katz. Neil Katz. And uh, Neil Cliff Polite. Polite. You had the eighth inning guy. Cliff Polite. You had Dustin Hermanson. You had D- Damaso Marte. Oh, Damaso had, with the Puma cleats. So Shingo Takatsu <laughs> was in the was the closer for the first half of the season until Jenks came up. And then you also had El Duque, but he was kind of the fifth five six starter. Um. Was he your fifth starter until the playoffs? Yeah, and then he had the he had the epic. Was it Boston where he had the bases loaded? Yeah, yeah we got, got out, out of, of it. Boston. Bases loaded, nobody. We got out of it. So, all right. I mean, we we've exhausted the blame game. It's just have nope. we? Have we really? I, 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 think I, I feel like we can talk about every player, every manager, every owner. If you if you exist and you're a part of the White Sox, we can talk about. Can that. we can we finish blame game with fire into the sun? One guy we don't want around the team next year. No so one. Tony, can <laughs> Tony Larusa. Here's my blame game. I'm gonna segue this into Fork in the Road. Our next segment. We're gonna do Fork in the Road, and we're all gonna talk about one moment in the White Sox season that that sent this season in the direction we didn't want it to go, and. Here's where I'm going to start. I'm going back to April, and White Sox fans, we love doing this because we punted so many games early in the year, and you know I, everything we were being told was, it's early in the season, it's going to warm up, we're going to get a soft part of the schedule, all the, all the bullshit. And 
My turning point is April 20th. Okay. I think you guys all recall the day, maybe not this day in particular, but we had a doubleheader against the Guardians. Okay. I'm going to do the, the Game 2 lineup. I'm going to read it to you guys right now. The Game 2 lineup against the Guardians, and we lost this Game 2-1. to one. Are you guys ready for this lineup? Ready. <laughs> Can't wait. Leading off, we had Josh Harrison. Okay. That, Who's probably mean, betting like what was he? Did he was we have betting, the... At, the, at the time, he was betting one hundred and seven. Thank you. That's what I needed. Fifty-two. Betting second, who, Nick Senior. Who do you think was betting second? Larry Garcia. Good guess. Adam Hazley. <laughs> betting second. You want to know why? Because Larry's in the three hole. <laughs> Larry was betting third. <laughs> oh, I you're can't bet second when you're in the three hole, there, guy. Good guys, job, Tony. You guys are laughing. I'm like miserable because of this. It's not a laugh. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh through the anger. If we didn't laugh, we'd cry. I'm crying. I like. <laughs> I was. I'm crying right now. All right, betting cleanup. Yasmani Grandal with at the time. No, and here's here's what kills me with Grandal. Okay, at the time he's betting 121 with 383 OPS. So he's obviously not hot, right? But he's not catching. He's DHing. <laughs> so you literally could have DH like Jose, right? Because Jose's not obviously not in this lineup because Larry's betting third. Betting fifth, Gavin Sheets. With a once I mean Gavin Sheets, he redeemed himself a little bit. It's all it's what's hilarious about this is the best batter in the lineup, betting six, Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> so <laughs> Vaughn somehow batting six when you got a Harrison Hazley Leary one, two, three. In the seventh hole, seventh <laughs> hole, you got Reese McGuire. Batting eighth, Adam Engel. And, you know, Engel's gotten off the hook this year. Engel's having one of the worst offensive seasons probably in the last 10 years. Um, Hold on. There are two players in the White Sox having worst off of the season. Uh, have you looked at Engel's numbers? Have you looked at Lurie's and Yasmani's? Okay. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> oh, man. Batting ninth, Danny Mendick. That is the worst lineup I've ever seen in my white in in wait my is that 32, White Sox lineup or I'm sorry the I, I've been Knights. alive for 34 years so it, since I could remember I could probably remember lineups since I don't know what six seven years old the worst since 63 that I've uh, <laughs> observed <laughs> that lineup what what is that what is that the white flag that's what that is on April 20th <laughs> game two. And if I recall, Tony did that at least seven or eight other times in games where we won the first two games of a series, yeah. and he never went for the jugular. Tony loved giving up game three, he loved giving up Sundays, and he loved giving up half of a doubleheader. I hate him. I hate him so much. I just... It burns. It burns deep. I That lineup is... What is there to say about that lineup? Here, it is the most embarrassing. That, nothing pisses like that. I know we're gonna get to what you got, Jack, for this, the Josh Naylor game. I don't even give a shit about that. I care about that lineup because you could somewhat control that shit. That is so bad. That's an insult to everybody in this. Like, senior, how much money do you spend on season tickets this year? Too much. To- 
to even talk about because I'm depressed when I think about it. I spent, it's, I it's spent like that takes 10 grand. Deductible anymore. I spent like 10 grand. <laughs> How much did you spend? You should ask for, do you want me to send an email? 10,000. That's stealing. That is, that's how we should, criminal. we should report them to the police. It's criminal. We should report Tony LaRusso to the police. And that, the sacks don't even, and they don't even have a gun and a mask. And they're <laughs> taking my ten thousand. Senior, did you put down your playoff deposit? No. <laughs> what what is there to say? I mean, let's pass it on. Is it, Nick Senior, who what's your fork in the road? You you mentioned it a little bit earlier. Well, I, you know, I I, I hate to take a stance where it, it I think the fork is the whole season, maybe, maybe with all these injuries it, and it started pretty much from the beginning. I mean, the fork is we had no players. I, I still don't think we've had our full lineup. And, and, and I think even worse, you know, I, I, if I have to put it on one thing, I think my fork in the road is when I read in the paper that the Sox training staff, and Larusa specifically told members of our team not to run out ground balls at full speed. I, I think when that happened, uh, I think that was the season because our team is lethargic. They have no hustle, no heart, and I think that was just uh, putting the icing on the cake when he went in there and told these guys not to run, and they just don't think they have to hustle, and, and you're not going to win. You know, I, I think uh, Suds told me tonight, uh, and and Schwabi said it, that Cleveland is the best at going from first to third. I, I think Romy Gonzalez tonight, there was a hit and run. He was on first base, and he didn't make it to third. So what is that? Is that bad coaching? Is that bad playing? Or is, is that just, a, you know, the attitude of the entire team that goes down from Tony and the coaching staff? So... I'd like to turn it over to one of you other guys, but that that's sort of, uh, in my opinion, was a fork in a road. No, I mean, it's it's been that way the whole year, right? It's it's like it's like I said earlier, where the difference between the Sox and the Guardians is night and day. They're polar opposites. The Guardians take every extra base you can get. The Sox don't take the extra bases you give them. Right. They'll give you an extra base, and the Sox refuse to take it. That one series against the, the guard earlier in the year, I mean, the Guardians dropping balls in between the center fielder and the left fielder, and they're getting on they're getting doubles on balls that aren't hitting the warning track, that aren't making the outfielders turn, that outfielders just running into you know running towards the ball, and they're turning those balls into doubles. The Sox hit the ball in the outfield and they don't get doubles. Zach, just to add to that, and I, not to interrupt you, but how many balls have we hit? That bounce off the walls that we've gotten singles this year. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Must be a record. It's got to be a record. I we it's were at real. that game. Your ten grand for the one game that you went through this year. <laughs> well, who ended off the wall? Is that Aloy? I got an I got an L on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've seen anyone more upset than Aloy. I think we we're in a tie game. It was like two to two in the eighth, and Aloy hits one off the wall. <laughs> He's just rounding first base. He doesn't get the second. <laughs> Senior was just so disgusted. Uh, as I as was I, I was. Uh, I, I mean, you're right. It's just everything. Schwab, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're good. I, I was done with that point. But two, Senior, you have you ever seen 
more doubles on balls that don't get past an outfielder ever in a season? No. It's ridiculous, right? Like, the amount of balls where Sox outfielders are moving completely laterally or even coming in for that the opponent is turning into doubles, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> balls that don't, hit the outf- that don't hit the wall should not be doubles. It should be doubles on the only rarest of chances. I and feel like it's a joke amongst other major leaguers where it's like, oh, I'm going to try to get a double on a single against the White Sox because they're so trash. I mean, Francona's message. Seriously. Francona's message had to be going in the series. I don't care if you get thrown out. We're taking every base. And run they, them out. Just yeah, run, run them out. And they did. Run them out of the game. They did. They, they stole bases. The Jose Ramirez last night. I don't know if you guys caught this. We were down 6-1. to one. Jose Ramirez, seventh inning, he's on first base. Steal second. You think Tony LaRusso would do that? Tony LaRusso is telling our our batters not to swing on 3-0 because it's an, it, it hurts the other oh, team's feelings. Your boy and your mean. Here it comes. What, you think? We chose Tony LaRusso over your mean, and, and that's why we're here now. So uh, it's, I, enough it's is awful. enough. This is fork in the road. Jack, who you got? What, what do you got? What moment? I mean... I feel like every special season has a lot of special moments. I think in 2005, we led the league in one-run one wins throughout the year. We, we were wire-to-wire. It was a team that was kind of cobbled together. It was just a bunch of guys that really liked to play hard. I think that was a special season. I think this year, <laughs> we didn't really have a lot of special moments. I think we had a lot of really down moments. And I think the the biggest... Valley was the Josh Naylor grand slam to tie it in the bottom of the ninth and then the three-run homer in the 10th or the 11th. Yeah, killer. I mean, no one's ever had eight home runs in the bottom or eight RBIs in the bottom of the ninth or later, and he did. <laughs> I want Nick Senior's reaction here to this stat. And I want to see how you react to this. About Naylor? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, as Manny Grandal has played 36 more home ga- games at guaranteed rate field this year. Special. Okay, Grandal has played 36 more than Josh Naylor. And they were as more homers, I'm assuming. <laughs> well, he, he definitely has, has more, more homers. homers. Definitely, that's not yeah. Naylor has 16 like, RBIs. Naylor has 16 RBIs, Grandal has 10. Schwab, and how many extra base hits does Grandal have this year? Yes, Manny Grandal. While Schwab looks that up, a guy who has no extra base hits this year is Adam Engel. Adam Engel. Terrible. Not, Terrible year. I don't think. How about Jews, the drop fly ball? That's another uh, fork in the road. That that should have been your fork in the road. Yes, it should. So, but to add on to my fork in the road, I was literally on the broadcast. Like I, I have a screenshot of it. Of me, of me with my head in my hands <laughs> after the Naylor home run. Oh my god! And it's like. I was the guy they froze on before they went to commercial because that's how all of White Sox fandom felt. It was like, what am I seeing right now? Before before um, Naylor hit that grand slam to tie it, we made two errors, I think, in that inning. But um, yeah, one by was your guy, Yo, senior. I went to I went to three extra inning games this year. And we were over three. We were on three. What do you got, Schwabi? Yasmani has 11 extra base hits on the year. Oh, so what does oh. that come to? 1.3 million in extra base hit? <laughs> that's that's. How one, many does Naylor have a guaranteed rate? Uh, he's got I'm more, sure he's it's more, more than that. 
Here, here's the best part about Yasmani. In the in the COVID shortened year, he had 194 plate appearances. He had 15 extra base hits. Last year, in 375 plate appearances, he had 32. This year, in 342, so significantly more than the COVID year, and 23 less. 33. That's an extra base hit for every 30 at bats. 33 less. He went from 32 to 11. You can't win. It's off. The Monstars. Absolutely off. Yeah, yeah, the Monstars. We've talked about the Monstars. And and what about your lineup? Your fork in the road. What was he batting? Batting cleanup. All right. As As the DH. That tells it all. Hey, man, he's got that batting average of 206 cents. Schwabi, real quick, your fork in the road, because then we're gonna we're gonna close this thing out. My fork in the road is a little old date known as October 29th, 2020. <laughs> what is that date, you may ask? <laughs> Two years before this year ended. It's the date when they hired Tony Larusa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sleeping like he is. I it it's un like it's unbelievable. I know I'm the guy who always chooses to go at Tony. Um, but it's just, I, you have to do it. I like, I, I know as, as Bush would tell you, it's low hanging fruit. It's the easy out. It sure is. But you know what? It's also the right one. The guy has been absolutely awful. As we talked about earlier, Miguel Cairo is no great shakes as a manager, but the fact that Miguel Cairo wasn't Tony was all that he needed to be to have the Sox have a little bump. When he took over, it's like plus thirty five run differential. Right? Did you hear what McGuffey said on? Oh, McGuffey was going hard. I mean, what he said was so perfect. He's like, he literally said the White Sox window closed when they hired Tony Larusa. <laughs> oh, it, 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 but it's it's like, it's so ridiculous and yet so true, right? He has been bad strategically. He has brought no energy. The man has been, it was essentially sleeping in the dugout. He looks dead at press conferences. Like, I think I mentioned this to Nikki earlier in the year. Like, the best thing you could say about Tony going into the year was the relationships that he made with some of his players, which was the biggest question coming in. Yeah. Right? That was the only thing that you could say has even been remotely close to a positive. And this year, you still have players defending him. But they're doing it because they're supposed to do it. Yeah, I hate it. Right? He strategically is one of the worst managers in baseball. His lineup construction is awful. His bullpen usage is awful. I think he has a larger say in front office matters than any of us want to acknowledge. There is very there are very few positives to Tony Larusa as a manager. And like the the biggest positive may be his relationship with Tim. Like that's the only thing I can say that's been like possibly a positive. And that was what everyone was freaking out about. And that's what everyone was panicking about. So I think Tim was a bigger person, and Tim tried to make it work, and Tony, to his credit, took his racist beliefs and didn't throw them in the players' faces. But, like, Juan it's, Pierre. You know, he turned everyone into Juan Pierre. <laughs> but, like, like, the comments, couple, the comments from, uh, was it, Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic? That he was openly going against his his coaches, that he was telling his hitters that they need to focus on contact and not waiting for 
not working the count and waiting for a good pitch to hit for power. Like, everything about it has been awful. He has been an absolute killer in this clubhouse, and if Jerry lets him return, it is a black eye for the franchise, and quite frankly, no one should spend a dollar on the Sox. Like, what if, that's what the, if he's a part of the front office? Does that count as returning? If they, if they, so here's the thing. Yes and no would be my would be my honest answer. It's I would say no because it would at least get someone else in the clubhouse, and if you get somebody else in the clubhouse, I believe there's enough talent in the clubhouse that they can that if you have the right manager, they can deliver. the The only reason I would say possibly is a yes is because the biggest issue with the Sox front office currently, or not the biggest issue, but the biggest issue for fans and for critics and for columnists and for anyone who's objectively looking at the team is you don't know who's making decisions. Is it Kenny? Is it Rick? Is Tony telling Jerry what he wants to happen? So if you let Tony have more control than Kenny, than Rick, then yes, it could potentially be an issue. Um, but again, I if if we've got to let Tony be the special advisor to the GM just to get him on the clubhouse, I'll take it. Because again, I, I truly believe there is some talent. There's enough talent in that Wait, clubhouse. You would, you would take Tony at GM rather than manager. If he is your primary GM, you would take that over manager. No, I want Tony in Tijuana. I like <laughs> right. I mean like, if that's a hard one. I mean, Tony is so bad. But, like, I think if Tony can manage not to, like, trade everyone, I, like, I'll let I'll let Tony make some moves around the edges and we'll, you know, he can he can sign all his favorites. He can sign all the ex-guys who were Diamondbacks when he was there and whatever. I, but, like, there's enough talent in the AL Central that with that lineup they should be competitive and they should win the division. If they have any manager who is at least somewhat competent, trying to win a World Series. So here's the thing, Jack. I I I don't disagree with you, but baseball is the one sport where the best team does not win the World Series. Correct. The most often, right? NBA, the best team wins the championship ninety percent of the time, and the second best team wins it probably the other ten. Football, that's, the best that's team wins it usually. As long as the team that you've built to win your division is also built to handle some of the best talent, even if it's on a you-gotta-get-hot basis. And I think this team has that, because you have Dylan, who's a legit stopper. You have Lance Lynn, who can be a legit stopper. You have Liam, who is a high-leverage bullpen arm. You have Graveman, who's been a pretty good bullpen arm. You have Raylo, who has really shown promise to be that high-end bullpen arm. right? So you have a couple legit starters, you have a couple legit guys in the pen, if your hitters do what they're expected to do and they're told to focus on power and they're told to actually run hard, I think you have enough where if you get the right guys hot and you get one guy who shows up who's who plays better than expected, I think you have a chance to actually make a, make a noise and to make a run. Okay, so I think that teams that get hot can... Teams can get hot and hit a lot of home runs and win a win one playoff series, but for in order to win a World Series, you have to be fundamentally sound. I don't know one team in the last like ten to fifteen World Series that I can think of 
that was atrociously bad at defense. Or base running, for that matter. I mean, you have to have a certain level of fundamentals to win a World Series. Your bats can't just get hot and you you win a World Series because you have a ton of talent. Talent has to be curated and made to be its best, and that's when you win a World Series. And I right? don't I, I agree with that, but I think like the fact that the White Sox coaching staff was pretty much told your opinion doesn't matter. I don't want you to coach. You're only gonna listen to what I say because I am the great and powerful Hall of Fame baseball person. Like I think if you get a different coaching staff in there who actually is gonna focus on defense, is gonna focus on fundamentals, is gonna focus on playing better baseball. Like I don't think they are they they are talent deprived in right field and at second base. Has Johan disappointed? Yes. But is Johan a pretty good defensive third baseman? Yes. At first base, are they in a bad position? No. I mean, if Jose ups his power to what it's been, they're fine. If Eloy ups his power to what it's been the second half, they're fine. If Luis is healthy for a full year and has actually coached, they're fine. So if you can fix second and you can fix right field, which isn't hard based on who they've tried out there previous this, this last year, really, I think you are close enough that if you have a better coaching staff and you get one impact guy, um, and the coaching staff can bring the other guys up. I like. I don't think it's ludicrous to say the Sox are in the ALCS next year. Yeah, I. It's. I, I mean, agree. A lot of good points. I. I don't want to. I don't want to belabor the Tony point. The guy has made me miserable. I do that. You don't need to. I mean, <laughs> terrible. It. Let's. Hopefully, hopefully Oscar can fill maybe right field. I think we need to get a little more aggressive. And then Rick Hahn, I mean, he's done the same thing every offseason. It's like he's he spends on the bullpen and he doesn't fix needs. So, I don't know. Next I, episode I, will be our thoughts for the offseason. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, Schwabi. I think there's, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot that we got to change, frankly. So, we're gonna we're gonna move on to our last segment here, and we're gonna do a quick uh, let's get pickled. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna put my dad here on the spot. I, I want to know, senior, wh- what's your best moment? You said how long have you been a White Sox fan? Since 1963. 1963. What's your best moment as a White Sox fan? Well, it had to be 2005, obviously, because it's the only World Championship we have. What so, was? Are you being sarcastic? No, no, no. So, I, like, I, I, I want. I mean, I, okay. So that that was low hanging fruit. So aside from 05, obviously we won the championship. What I mean, tell me about your White Sox fandom. Why? Why are you a White Sox fan? Like, what? What's? What? What keeps you to keep being miserable every year to watch this team and you pass that down to your son? So I we could talk about him. He really know? wants to ask why do you hate him? That's <laughs> that's what he's asking here. Well, I I, I think. How sports differs from it differs from life is right. We all know hope springs eternal. So every year we start a new year, and every year, come the first game of the season, everybody's happy. We have a chance, and even when your team's crappy, you you believe they have a chance. Yeah. And you have years like this year when we undoubtedly had the best roster in it in the Central. I mean, I don't think that's yeah, yeah, up for argument. Right. And 
you know, you just, you just, wasn't this the kind of year when we were just waiting, waiting and waiting for something to happen and it never happened. And, and, you know, and as I sit here now, I, I could say to myself, we should be the favor for the central next year. Yeah. And just on our sure talent standpoint, but, Oh, would it be different if Terry Francona was managing the White Sox, or, uh, or if if wouldn't that be nice? Or if if Han hired Hinch, even though he's hasn't done a great job at Detroit, but there were so many other guys. I I just think that you know Tony's falling asleep at the wheel. You know all these players, they just don't hustle. They don't. You know if they care, they don't show they care. Yeah. And and it's just it. it you know it's been frustrating, but you know what. Come next April, I'm going to have, you know, another smile on my face and say, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to be watching this team every night. And uh, I hope it doesn't take till September 15 to be depressed if, the, <laughs> if they're going to go out, go out early next year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I love that. It's, it's so true. There's nothing better than that feeling going into spring training. And I love following spring training games and getting hyped for the year. I'll, so... You know, some of my best White Sox memories are just going to the games. You taking me to the games as a little kid. This was before the net, and we were we're right behind the White Sox dugout. So, I mean, I, how old was I when I got my first ball from who? who Five gave or me, six. Who gave me my first ball? Canerco. Uh, no, no, Frank Thomas. No. Oh yeah, it was probably her. It was her or Ozzy, right? Yeah, Ozzy. Yeah. I, I, didn't Ozzy start that tradition? Yeah, Ozzy used to throw at least two an inning in there. And then they put the net, which kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's nice now that when I have my three girls, I don't have to worry about a line drive coming at their head. But you, you got a ball for me for sure. The, it, I mean, it's the best times of my life going to the get you take me to the games as a kid and doing and your that friends to, and my friends. And I was gonna say Schwabi. We were at I think we were at the Angels game one in '05. That was actually the one game they lost. The only game they lost was the was the one game I went we to that at, year. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget being at those at the game one World Series game that you took me to. I mean, just the best memories of my life, and being able to pass that tradition to my kids is going to be very special for me. Um, so, so the question is: Are renewing our season tickets next year? As long as you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to your mother. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, let's close it out with some PMA, gentlemen. There's a lot of negativity on this chat. So we got to let's talk about one real quick because we're going a little long here, but let's talk about some positives real quick and then we'll, we'll close it out. What do you got for me, Schwabi? It's, it's hard to be positive about anything that, anything that happened this year. Um, but I think, like, as your dad said, like, the positive of baseball is that every year it's a new year. And every and, – and, like, while it can be extremely frustrating, and the, the most frustrating part about the Sox this year – is that they were never bad enough to be out of it. Yeah. And they were never good enough to really take that take that step, right? They were just always there and if yeah, they ever got that run and the it, it coincided with a with a negative run for the Twins or the Guardians, they could take that shot. chance or, or they take that shot. It never happened. But like baseball is special. I mean, I'm not, you know, like you played baseball, Tui played baseball. I wasn't a kid who played baseball. 
but I love baseball. I love going to baseball games. It's the best game. Um, and the memories, like I mean, again, like as you guys probably like the memories I have of baseball are huge. Like I remember '05 because, like, me, you, your dad, Mush, his dad. There's probably four more of us at Howard Street for half of the half of the World Series. Yeah, half of the playoffs, right? And just all of us together and the camaraderie and and the and just baseball and the good times of life, right? And you just sit there and you wait for that that next time, right? To come yeah. back. And you know, again, like I I think I'm able to, and I might be incredibly crazy, and the way Tui was. Making his points, I, I have a hard time arguing with him. But, like, I can at least talk myself into today why the Sox can be in the ALCS next year. Yeah. And if you're in the ALCS, you have a chance to be in the World Series, right? So I can talk myself into why that next year could be a promising year, um, especially now because, you know, there's still moves to be made and things to happen. But, like, there is still promise in this lineup. There's still promise on this team. The majority of their guys are under contract. Like they're still promising this team, and and when you have a promising baseball team, it is a, it gives you the chance to have a special season, and really to have a special year. Yeah. So so one of the hardest things to watch, and one of the things I think we all love doing as as sports fans is watching talent, and as I said, one of the hardest things to watch is watching talent underperform. I think that's what we've seen this year, and I'm as sad as anyone. I mean, last summer was one of the best summers of my life because I went to 25 games, and we—I think I went like 21 and four. Yeah. I mean, you, and a lot of those games you're, we're hitting three, four home runs, and it's just a beating. So, I mean, this year was a lot different, but. I don't disagree with you, Schwabi, that this team has talent. There just has to be a little bit of a shakeup. And I'm not talking major. There, there just needs to be a couple things that change. And I think maybe then all the pieces fall in the right spot. Yeah. I mean, we talk about hope. I, I embarrassed to admit this, but I put 25 on us to win it all this year, today. <laughs> <laughs> you did it today? Today. 25 what is to, wrong win, with you? to win five grand. Should have put it in a college fund. Listen, man. Listen, I'm more than willing to take your 25 bucks if next time. <laughs> you just call me. I just I spent your dinner on, uh, I was going to order pizza for the group, but I, I put it on us to win it all. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say. But I, it's it's all about hope. I, I mean, we all love baseball. I, I, I think for me, the most disappointing thing is not that we're not going to go to the playoffs and not win at all. It's just I love when we do make it and we could get together in a group together. And like you said, Schwab, when we were all together watching those games, like nothing is better than being together, having a few drinks, having a few rum and cokes, obviously. So it's, and, this is the PMA segment. But right. No, I, I, I'm saying in watching the team win. Well, I put 25 on us to win it all. I mean, if that's not PMA, I don't know what what, what's your favorite line? Better to be what? Better, better to be... Delusional. Delusional and suicidal. That's right. <laughs> that's and, and that bet was definitely delusional. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's a great way to end it. Uh, gentlemen, senior, thanks for joining us. I had, it was a blast. 
Thanks for the invite. I really enjoyed it. JT Schwabi, thanks for joining another another great show. I I don't know. This might be it. We'll see where we're at next week, but it's getting, it's getting a little bleak for us. Me, you never know. Maybe we go twelve and zero to finish the year, but um, we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. See ya. <laughs>